matter what we're going through, he's always right there for us. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? Let's try that little chorus over and over. <clears throat> oh, over.
mission offering at this time. QG, on time, God. Well, he's an on time God. Yes, he is. Well, he's an on time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want
sometimes you don't even have to ask. You can just be talking about it with somebody. And Lord, come in and let you know it's all all right. Amen. Brothers, we come receive the morning tithe and offering. At this time, one more river to cross. One more river to cross. One more mountain to climb. One more valley that I gotta go through. I'm leaving my troubles behind. One more battle with the devil.
Lord. Amen. Just let go. Turn it over to him. He's got it all in control. Amen. Amen. God is so good to us. Brother Wade, do you have a song for us? All right, you can be seated. Amen. I'm happy to be in church this morning. Amen. Ain't nothing like being called out on the spot. But I just, I just love the Lord and I love to worship him. So this is nothing special, but there's been a lot going on at our church. There's so much we can give testimony of. And I'm just happy to see what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. It was just in time. Oh, yes, I'm going to praise his name. Oh, his name is yet the same. Oh, come on and praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. Oh, yes, I'm going to praise his name. Oh, his name is just the same. Come on, church. Come on and praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Oh, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. I said, he healed my body. He touched my mind. Save me was just in time for church. I'm gonna praise his name. For oh, his name is just the same. Oh come on, come on and praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Oh church, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body, he touched my mind, he saved me, it was just in time. Oh yes, I'm going to praise his name, for he is always the same. Come on church, come on and praise him, look what the Lord has done. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down, glory, glory, hallelujah, since I laid my burdens down, well, I am feeling so much better, oh, since I laid my burden down, I'm feeling so much better since I laid my burdens down. I am feeling so much better, oh, since I laid my burden down. I am feeling so much better since I laid my burden down. Well, 
much better. Amen. Sometimes the cares of life will really wear you down, but if you can let go of them, it's amazing how you'll feel. Amen. Try to transition to, to prayer. Amen. God is so good to us, isn't he? Amen. Amen. Sister Joan turned in a, a request for a, a nurse at the facility where Sister Marilyn's at, asked, has desired our prayers for her daughter, Taja. She's been diagnosed with breast cancer. So if you could remember the young lady there, Taja, we know God certainly heals cancer. We've seen it here. We know that's nothing for our Lord. Amen. And if you could remember uh, Brother Blessing and Sister Mita, the, their little baby, Asher, miracle, he's dealing with colic, and uh, it's just very unhappy, very uncomfortable, and I know what that was like with Ayla. She had it real bad when she was a baby, and that just takes it out on the parents as well as, as the baby. So if you could remember a little Asher miracle there that the Lord just touched him, and we believe he will, and we'll hear a good report that all is well. Amen. Don't forget the meeting immediately after service this morning. Uh, if you volunteered for the banquet for the things that weekend to stay in the sanctuary please if you don't mind it's good to see sister tia's mom i think i saw her here somewhere amen god bless you sis good to see you in the house of the lord this morning amen brother cammy would you come take us the lord in prayer this morning if you don't mind amen anybody have an unspoken prayer request on their heart this morning so thankful for what the Lord has done for us here, done for our pastor. Just thanking him for everything. God bless you, saints. Uh, devil thinking he's going to try to take me out this morning. But... Um, I stand here victorious. I appreciate Brother Isaac and uh, Brother Wade praying for me back there. I was just talking to them and just kept getting dizzy. Felt like I was going to pass out. And, you know, I knelt down there and um, they prayed for me. And I want to thank the Lord for that. So I don't know what's going on. But um, God is mindful. God is faithful. I thank the Lord this morning for everything that he's done for me. I want to give the devil a black eye. <laughs> you know. Um, God is so tremendous, y'all, and um, God is doing a lot of miracles in this church, and I really appreciate the Lord, uh, especially last week where Brother Daniel, he talked on different topics, and it's amazing to me every time we, uh, we're in the car with us, we pick up Sister Janet to come to church, and we'll be talking on a topic and on a subject, and Brother Daniel will come right after that. And it's a confirmation that the Lord Jesus Christ is here in our midst. We're not looking at our pastor as far as the flesh is concerned. We, we all know as human beings we have faults and um, differences. But God has ordained our brother, our pastor, to be the leader and the shepherd of this church. And time and time again, every time I come here, uh, you know, the word is... The word is alive. The word is, 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 is so true. It's so real, y'all. You know, 
you'll be talking about something and sometimes you know you need answers and brother Daniel will come right after and I'm like Lord he was not even at home he was not in the car so how does he know that so that's a vindication to us that the Lord Jesus Christ is here in our midst and we just got to be so mindful of God uh, what he's doing in our midst we have to be respectable to the man of God uh, and and if you fully understand and believe that uh, our pastor brother Daniel is uh, your shepherd then miracles will happen in your life but the thing is you have to have trust and confidence in the man and the gift because I, I want to just thank the Lord for, for all that he's done in my life I'm seeing I'm seeing the message of the hour in a totally different light and I want to thank the Lord for that thank you so much for all that he's done for me in my life I love him with all my heart he's always been with me y'all I've been in denominations hopefully I'm not taking up time here but uh, I, I've been to different denominations, different churches, and there's nothing like our church. There's nothing like this message of the hour. I, I've been Baptist, Pentecostal, you name it. You know, I've done it. But there's, there's nothing like the message of the hour. And God will show you miracles after miracles throughout your life. And a quick example is I remember when Jeremiah was five years old. Quick testimony. Sharon Rose ended up with meningitis. And I didn't know what the disease was until we kept on going to the hospital and they kept on giving her augmenting. It's like a pain medication and the pain medication was not working at all. She had severe headaches and at five years old, I'm like, oh Lord, you know how the devil talks to you like your wife is gonna die, period, the end. Um, so the third time we went to the hospital, people freaked out and I was wondering, I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, sir, you cannot see your wife today. Um, we need her. We need to take her. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I could remember they had a, a yellow sheet over the door. So nobody could come in. The pastor at the time could come in. Nobody couldn't come in. And I think I went in there once. You know, I had to dress, dress up in this suit thing. And the reason why I'm saying that is God, God was always there for Sharon Rose and I. He's been real to me, and I want to thank the Lord. And the Lord actually delivered her from that meningitis. It's, it's kind of weird that that's what Sharon Rose had um, Brother Branham's daughter and she had the, the meningitis but it wasn't spinal yet it was traveling um, uh, to her spine and uh, and the Lord came and just did a tremendous miracle I remember them saying hey y'all got to go home and or me you got to go home with your son and wash everything with hot water I remember me saying Lord I, I, I don't want to marry nobody else I just you know but, you know, but I'm like, no, I'm too young. You know, he's, he's five years old. I said, I don't want no one else. I just want to be married to my, anyways. But uh, make a long story short, God actually, God delivered Sharon Rose of that uh, meningitis. And when we were leaving the hospital, I remember the little Indian doctor says, I need to talk to you too. I'm like, for what? And he says, just come in here. We need to talk. He closes the door. He says, sit down. I need to talk to y'all. He's like, do you realize what your wife had? I'm like, okay. He's like, well, I know it's the disease. He's like, no. He says, sir, I want to tell you that nobody gets delivered of this disease in no three days. But I know it was the, the hand of the Lord that moved. So God is always with us, y'all, you know. Yeah. So uh, I felt led to say this because a lot of people don't know that. So let's go before the Lord. 
God, thank you so much, Father, for everything that you've done for me. Thank you for your grace and your mercies, Lord. We come before your throne of grace and of mercy this morning. We invite your presence. We invite your spirit, God. Father God, we know you're here, Father, according to your word, where two or three are gathered. But God, we know for sure you're here every time we come here, Father God. You're here, God, and we're so grateful for that, God. There's been many uh, prayer requests that's been called out. You're mindful of that, Lord. You, you, you'll take care of those issues, Father. And we want to give you thanks for those, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, as our pastor will come out, Lord God, we pray that you give him strength, oh, God. We pray, God, that you continue to touch his body, God, and may the healing process speed up in his body, God. We're so grateful for his life. We love him, God. We're so thankful for everything that you're doing into this church, God. Help us to be mindful of your presence and of your spirit every time we gather here together, God. Thank you for touching me back there, God. It was a scary thing, God, but I, I stand here victorious, and I want to thank you for it, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We invite your presence, and we invite your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. He is so good to us. Sing this as we invite our pastor out this morning. Psalm 3, E minor. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, for the glory and the lifter of
Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for a shield? And it camps round about you. Not just at church, but wherever you're at. I wonder how many this morning in another dimension that you couldn't see, an angel spared you from a, a wreck. Only eternity will tell the things that God has done in our lives that we weren't aware of. But he cannot break his word. He will encamp around about those that love and fear him. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Got a lot on a plate this morning. Uh, the only problem with having a lot on a plate is we don't have a lot of time. Time is a thief. Especially when it comes to church. And when a minister comes and he got a lot to say and don't have a lot of time to say it in, he uh, gets frustrated. And some, t some preachers just don't care. They'll preach to the end. I remember a minister when he was in Atlanta, and he had so many pages, and he done told us, he said, I'm not quitting until I get to the last page. We didn't know how many pages he had. So finally, when the millennial set in, he got to the last page and he said, okay, I'm done. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Because the mind can only intake what the seat can endure. Praise the Lord. Are you happy this morning? Amen. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 29. We have a baptism this morning. It is my little Ava Shalom. She has been asking me for months about baptism, and so I sat down and had a heart-to-heart -heart talk with her and made sure she understood, and she could explain it back to me, what it meant. Uh, it's not just something that she does because other people do it. It's a consecrated life to the Lord. And I tried to, you know... Brother Ram said, when God starts dealing with their heart, then you, you baptize them. And some people earlier than others. And if a nine-year-old comes, she'll be ten next month. If a nine-year-old comes to me and says, Daddy, I want to be baptized with tears in her eyes, Daddy's going to baptize her. Because I would much rather God get a hold of her life now than ten years down the road. And so she could explain it back to me. I t under, told her, just to look, you got to die out to Ava, Ava's desires, Ava's wishes, Ava's wants, and you live your life for Jesus Christ. And you read your Bible, and you listen to tapes, and you pray, and this is a daily walk. Amen. This ain't just to have fun and just to have another activity. This is a life Amen. that we live for Jesus Christ. And so, uh, at first, you know, she's a little timid. Those of you that know her, she's a little timid. She said, can we do it in between services where not as many people are there? I said, well, as long as we have witnesses, that's, you know, that's scripture. We have to have witnesses. And then as time rocked on, she said, we'll just go ahead and do it while church is going on. <laughs> so, all of you will get to witness it this morning. And it thrills my heart. Not knowing where she would be had not God laid it upon our heart to pull them into our home and to make them a part of our family. You're talking about the grace of God. 
I end up squalling like a baby if I ain't careful. <clears throat> Exodus 29. Verse number 1, Exodus 29, verse 1. <clears throat> and this is the thing that thou shalt do. This is God speaking to Moses. This is the thing that thou shalt do unto them that hallow them to minister unto me in the priest's office. Speaking of the Aaronic priesthood. Take one bullock and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread and cakes unleavened tempered with oil. Wafers unleavened, anointed with oil, and wheaten flour shalt thou make them, and thou shalt put them in, into one basket, and bring them into the basket with the bullock and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and shalt wa wash them with water. And thou shalt take the garments and put upon Aaron the coat, and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod, and the breastplate, and gird him with the curious girdle of the ephod. Now shall put the mitre upon his head and put the holy crown upon the mitre. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. And thou shalt bring his sons and put coats upon them. And thou shalt gird them with girdles, Aaron and his sons, and put the bonnets on them. And the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statute, that means it never will end. It's perpetual. It goes on and on and on. Now, we know it ended at Jesus Christ. Um, shall be theirs for a perpetual statute, and thou shalt consecrate Aaron and his sons. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. <clears throat> I'm going to speak to you on a thought this morning and a subject. Before I do, I get ahead of myself. I'm, I'm over 50, so you have to excuse me. Um, but we want to make welcome a family that has uh, made Word of Life Tabernacle their church home. Uh, they prayed about it. They sought the Lord and, and asked for his leadership and his direction. And he has led them here with us. So I would ask Brother Siggy and Sister Jolene if they would stand this morning. And you would give them a warm welcome. God bless you both. Certainly an honor for them to be with us. So if you don't know them after service, make sure you acquaint yourself with them. They are precious, precious people. And we're honored that they're here with us, that God has led them here to be with us. <clears throat> ain't nothing like God's people. Amen. And I'm still thankful that God speaks to God's people Amen. and leads His people Amen. to the right place to where they can be fed and they can be watered and they can uh, get the nourishment they need to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful of that. <clears throat> I want to speak to you this morning on a, a, a subject, a thought that touches everybody here that 
is above the age of accountability. Because young people have no idea what I'm going to talk about. Because young people are just happy-go-lucky, nothing bothers them. If they have a fuss, a fight with their cousin or nephew or, you know, the neighbor, in 10 minutes they're, they're, they're best friends again. So they don't understand, uh, you know, about pressures of life and things that adults go through. And I, I tried to raise my children to uh, tell them to enjoy your childhood. Enjoy it. Don't try to grow up too fast. Because once you grow up too fast, you will longly, longingly look back to the days to when you was 8, 9, 10. When you had no bills and no responsibilities and no car payments and no house payments and none of that. So uh, I want to speak to you this morning, listen carefully to the title, Built and Equipped for Pressure. I didn't get much response from that uh, because we are living in a day of pressure on every side. Everywhere we look, there's pressure. There's influence. There's people trying to get us to do this and get us to do this and get us to go here and there's pressure. We are told in Feast of the Trumpets at 64 that once Hitler, uh, Mussolini, Eichmann and uh, Stalin did their job. The four horsemen loosed out of the river Euphrates and 200,000 demons loosed as well out of the river Euphrates. They drove the Jews to their homeland through a holocaust. And then once the 144,000 were back in their homeland, Brother Bram says, then they turned their direction or their attention to you, the bride, to drive you to your homeland, the message of the hour. Now, if it took a holocaust for the Jews, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and some of you have maybe a little understanding of the holocaust. I've done too much study on the holocaust. It's horrific. It's absolutely mind-blowing what one human can do to another out of hatred and racism, anti-Semitism, and, and, and the hatred of Jews and and, and other origins of people. It's absolutely demonic. Uh, even what's going on in our country today. To look at somebody and that doesn't have the same color skin as you and look down upon them. Christians don't do that. We are all the same in Christ. My Bible tells me by one blood. By one blood. We're all brothers. We're all sisters. Amen. We all have the same daddy. Amen. Uh, Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, looking at, at pressure, when you, and I know some of you are thinking, well, what in the world does his, his, um, his text have to do with pressure? Well, when God called Aaron and his sons to a position of the priesthood, that with this position of being uh, the priests of all of Israel, all the other 11 tribes, that with that, uh, with responsibility comes, with great power comes great responsibility. And so with their position that God had placed them in as the priests of all the other 11 tribes comes great pressure, responsibility, the things that they had to do that 
no other tribe had to do. But understand that God did not just throw them to the wolves. Because if you'll notice, the Bible uses the word consecrate. Consecrate Aaron and his sons to me. Set aside, set apart. That word consecrate in the original Hebrew actually means to fill the hand. So what God did was God not only called them, but he built them and he equipped them for the job that he called them to do. It's like God sending us into the greatest battle ever fought without a weapon. God wouldn't do that. God tells us in Ephesians 5 to put on the whole armor of God because he knows we're fighting the greatest battle ever fought. So therefore he has equipped us. He has not only called us, but he's built us and he's equipped us. You say, oh, Brother Daniel, I, I, this, this past month, this past day, this past week, I haven't felt like I was built for pressure. Well, you're still here, aren't you? You're still standing, aren't you? Oh, you just don't know my week. Well, but you're here at church. So God has built something inside of you that you weren't even aware of. That he knew from the foundation of the world what you was going to face. And so he had already built you to face it. He had already filled your hand with the right kind of tools and weapons to face the enemy for the next coming day or the next coming week or month or year or whatever the case may be. God does not just send out his people without filling their hand. When you use that word consecrate, and then I looked it up, I thought, wow, that is powerful. It actually means to fill their hand. He, he equipped them. When Gideon was facing an army without number, the Midianites, and God did not send him out without something. Now, it wasn't what Gideon expected to go face an army without number. He didn't send him out with a spear, didn't send him out with a sword. He sent him out with a pitcher with a lamp on the inside and a trumpet. And they're going to war. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how you think. Sometimes I don't want to know how people think. But I know how I think. If I was there and I trust I would have been there in those 300, that I would have been chosen to be one of the 300 faithful to Gideon, and the call against the Midianites that were troubling and taking all the harvest from Israel, I trust I would have been there. But when Gideon was handing out the implements of war, and he's passing out earthen pitchers with a candle on the inside and a trumpet, what I'm going to do with this? The Lord is not mine. The Lord is the battle. The, Lord, the battle is the Lord's. It's not my battle. So I don't get to choose the weapon. And see, God knew what would work. See, God always knows what will work. He don't send you what you think you need. He sends you what He knows you need. And so when all of Israel encompassed the valley where the uh, uh, Midianites were at, and they lit the, the lantern, and they blew the trumpets. The Midianites literally thought they were surrounded. 
by 300 men. And in the midst of the confusion, they begin to kill one another. And see, God knew this. God knew it would cause confusion. And so God, God didn't send them a sword. He didn't send them an armor. He didn't send them a spear. He didn't send them bows and arrows. He sent something that would cause confusion in the hearts and minds of the enemy to where in the darkness of the night, the, each of the Midianites didn't know who was who. So they thrust one another and killed one another to where the Israelites didn't have to kill anybody. The Midianites killed themselves. Don't ever underestimate God and how God does things. When it looks like all resources have run out, God still is the resource. God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. When it looks like all hope is gone, just keep hanging on. If you're at the end of your rope, just tie a knot and hang on. He's coming. He's on his way. I don't care if he's four days late. He's still on time. Can you say amen? He's got a purpose. He's got a, uh, he's got a reason behind what he does. God doesn't do something without reason, without purpose. And, 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 and in our lives, we, you know, we wake up every morning. We have no idea what the day is going to hold for us. And sometimes it seems as the day rolls on, the pressure mounts, and it gets harder, and it gets tougher, and it's more pressure, and you feel like you're smothering by the time you get home. We see, a prophet of God tells us to go to the rock that is higher than I and let off the pressure. Don't let off the pressure one to another. Don't blow up one at another. Let off the pressure to the Lord. Because if anybody understands pressure, it's Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you're talking about a man under pressure. With the weight of the sins of the world on his back. And even praying to the effect of, let this cup pass from me. Pressure. Such pressure to where his sweat glands. And his blood vessels intermingled one with another. And he was sweating blood. You and I don't know that kind of pressure. It's enough for us to carry our own burdens. What about a man carrying the burdens of the world? But yet, the Bible says with the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What about the joy that is set before us? Oh, hello, somebody. Amen. Heaven, eternal life, meeting our loved ones in a resurrection, Amen. millennial reign, thousand years of peace. We got a lot of joy set before us. Endure your cross. Hello. So when God told Moses, he said, I'm going to consecrate Aaron and his sons into the position of priesthood. And they are going to... Uh, answer to me as the priest of all of Israel. But yet I'm not going to just send them out there not knowing what to do. I'm going to fill their hand. Most of you know we're building a house and every so far every contractor that has showed up at our house has showed up with tools. <laughs> if I had had a contractor show up 
Just take Brother Joel, for instance. He did our sheetrock, did a wonderful job. Uh, and and if, if his crew would have showed up at our house and I look in the bed of their truck and it's empty. And I look in the back seat of the truck and there's, it's empty. And I'm going, what y'all here for? We're here to hang sheetrock. What you going to hang it with? Well, Brother Joel, oh, they wouldn't call him brother probably. I don't know if they're Christians. But anyway, Joel didn't give us no tools. You know what I would have said? There's the exit. You can't hang sheetrock without tools. You got to be equipped. But see, each contractor comes with a different set of tools. Each of the five-fold ministry that comes through here comes with a different set of tools. Because we need different things at different times. See, God knows what you need, so He'll send an evangelist through with a tool just for you. To work on you, because God will not send a man this way without equipping him for at least one person in this church. And if it ain't you, be glad for the person that it was for. Because get ready, your time's coming. God ain't going to leave nobody alone. He's going to touch you one time. He's going to touch you one service. It's, your time's coming. But be happy for the one that was ministered to. And he always equips. That's why a man must be called to these ministries. Because Brother Branham says if it's mammy called and pappy sent, mom and daddy want it. I want my son to be a preacher. And then they'll push him and push him and push him to where he'll get tired of it. See, my mom and dad discouraged me. Especially my mama. Good old mama. She sent me down more time than once because I told her at 15 years of age, I said, Mama, I feel like God's calling me to the ministry. She said, Daniel, Mark, have a seat. <laughs> oh, Lord, what did I do now? I just told her I felt I was called to the ministry. What am I going to get a whipping for this time? Was that bad? <laughs> no, she wanted to talk to me like Moses' mother talked to him and prepared him to be the deliverer for Israel. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so my mother would sit me down on the bed in my bedroom, and she would pull up a chair, and she said, and always she called me Daniel Mark. She said, now, Daniel Mark, I want to explain something to you. I said, okay, yes, ma'am. It's always yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Oh, it's gone in this generation, but we need to resurrect it. We need to bring it back in the homes. We need to bring the respect back in the churches. We need to bring the respect back to the ministry. Thank God for a man like Brother Isaac that would start things going here. People calling me pastor now. Even, even in the writing their text and email, they'll address me as Pastor Daniel now. And Sister Gloria uh, Walters came to me the, uh, last Sunday. She said, I'm so glad you are getting your due respect after all of these years. Well, the Bible does say in verse number one, as I read, thou shalt hallow them, the ministry. Hallow them. You know, it's the same word that Jesus prayed. Hallowed be thy name. He used the same word about the ministry. 
Hallow them. Respect them. Honor them. Matter of fact, the Bible says they're worthy of double honor. Not double tithe. Don't get scared. I know some preachers preach that, but that ain't what the Bible says. It says double honor, not double tithe. It's still 10%. So when God was, 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 had this plan from the foundation of the world about uh, his priesthood and the Aaronic priesthood, then he's not just going to send them out. He's going to fill their hand. He's going to equip them to know what they need to know in every situation. God has already equipped them. He's placed something in them that they didn't even know was there. Certain situations arise. It's in their mind they're going, how to, I don't know how to deal with this. And all of a sudden the Bible says, think not what you shall say because I'll give you the words to say. I remember when I first started pastoring, I had my first marriage counseling. I was more scared than the marriage couple. Because first of all, I didn't know what they wanted to talk to me about. And second of all, I didn't know what I was going to tell them. I hadn't been a pastor but a couple of months. So I'm in my office. I got there early for a reason because I was on my face before God. God, I need wisdom. I need understanding. If you called me, if you've equipped me, then you give me the words to say. And friend, I've seen it dozens and dozens and dozens of times when people would come into council and, and, and God would just flow things out of my mouth. I wouldn't have to premeditate it. I wouldn't have to write notes. It would just come out of my mouth. You know why? Because God has equipped me. He's equipped me for the job. Can you say man? Amen. Whatever you do, whatever talents you do, that God has equipped you for that. Amen. See, Brother Cammie has, a, has, a, has a, 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 a gift of artistry. He can draw. He can paint. Beautiful paintings. Beautiful drawings. See, I can't do nothing but draw flies. <laughs> Ava asked me the other night. I said, Daddy, can you draw? I said, flies. I said, I'm, I'm not an artist. I can't draw. But see, some people are equipped. They're talented. Some people can play music. They're equipped. They're talented. I'm not just going to ask any of you to come up here and play the piano. We dismiss early. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not equipped, if you're not talented, if you don't know what you're doing, then you have no business being there. But we have people in position up here that know what they're doing because God has equipped them. He has talented them. Is that all right? You don't put people that are, that are unequipped in a place that they can't handle. And neither does God. God never puts a man in a position that he has not already equipped for. He does not put you in a situation he has not already equipped you for. He's built you for it. And, and in my study this past couple of days, in my study, it led me to the eagle. Now, there ain't a person here hasn't heard the eagle preached on, but I'm not going to preach on it. I'm going to hit a few spots and then I'm going to move on. But I found out this week something interesting about it, several things about an eagle. That the number one pest of an eagle, the number one pest of an eagle is a crow. Now, a crow isn't a third the size of an eagle, all right? But what a crow will do, a crow will land on the back of an eagle and peck him in the neck. Just aggravate the fire out. You know how the devil does. 
Land on your back. It's like endless. It just keeps on and on and on and on. He won't shut up. He don't have an off button. Don't even have a pause button. He just yammer, 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 yammer. Talks, 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 talks. Oh, some of y'all hear, hear the devil? The devil ain't talking to you. You ain't saved. Let, let, me in your, let me let you in on a secret. I talk more to the devil than I do Jesus. Because the devil's trying to stop something that I'm doing. If I'm a threat to the kingdom of hell, he's going to have a target on my back. If you're a threat to the kingdom of hell, you got a target. That's why he torments you. That's why the pressure's on you. That's why the storms, that's why the tribulation, because you, as a lay member, are a threat to the kingdom of Satan. And that crow will just peck on the neck and after a while the eagle says, you know what, I've had enough. So he'll just, you know, jump off of his feet, you know, and use his feet for leverage and jump off a fence post or the ground wherever he's at and a couple of a flaps of them seven foot wings, he's in the air. And he just keeps going. And he just keeps going. And he just keeps going. And after a while, the crow goes. I can't breathe. And then he passes out, lack of oxygen. And the eagle just watches him tumble. No doubt he watches him all the way to the earth. I, know, I hope you hit real hard at the bottom. Boom! You've tormented me long enough, but I have pierced into the presence of the sun and you can't handle that presence. Because an eagle is built for pressure. Now I've been in, most of you have been on airplanes and in jets, 747s, seven other sevens, whatever they, Airbuses and different sized planes. And I, I would hear the captain come on the radio, uh, we're flying at an altitude of 33,000 feet. And I'm thinking, whoa, we up here. It ain't, it, it, it's just us and these clouds. But do you know that an eagle can penetrate over 20,000 feet in the air? That's over two miles. And from a distance of 10,000 feet, which is one mile, from a distance of one mile in the air, the vision, remember me talking about the vision of possibility with, uh, with Samson, the vision that an eagle has at 10,000 feet in the air, he can watch a rabbit eat grass. Because he's built that way. His eyesight is 15 times greater than a human's. He's built a certain way that other birds aren't built that way. When he gets down on the earth and, 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 and he kills a prey or he goes across the lake and he grabs a fish and he takes it to the bank and he begins to eat on it. And while he's on the ground, there's, there's insects and there's ticks and there's mites and all kinds of things that will get on the eagle. 
Well, after a while, it begins to irritate. If you've ever had a tick or ever had a chigger, that's, one, that's, that's two things I wish Noah would have left on the other side of the ark. If you've never had a chigger, please don't ever have one. I've had dozens at one time while scouting hunting woods, and me and my dad, and we'd come back and we'd just claw till the bled. And uh, the eagle would get down on the ground and he'll get all these insects on him and, and, uh, and, and ticks and whatever more, and, and then all of a sudden it starts to irritate him like the crow. But see, these are a little smaller. See, everything the devil comes at you is not always a crow. Everything he throws at you is not always this big. Sometimes it's something real little, just like just a little bit of root of bitterness. Just a little bit of an attitude. Oh, it's getting quiet again. I better start preaching and stop meddling. Just a little bit of an attitude, a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of a grudge, a little bit of anger, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But after a while, if, it, if it's left unattended, it'll become infected. And if you leave it unattended too long, you might lose that leg. So the eagle, after he has enough of it, I've had enough. He does the same thing he does with the crow. Back into the presence of the sun. And no more than the crow was built for the sun, no more than these ticks and mites and chiggers are meant for the sun. They all just pass out and fall off. And by the time the eagle comes out of the presence of the sun, he has none of those things on him. I say it's high time we get back behind the veil and in the presence of the Shekinah glory where all of this garbage and nonsense of the world just falls off of us. But that's the only place they can come off. You'll worry yourself to death trying to pick them off. You can't do it yourself. No, see, you got to go into the right presence, the right anointing. See, the, see the, the eagle can handle the heat. The eagle can handle the pressure. Because you know as well as I do, the higher you go, the more pressure there is. That's why when you get in an airplane, they have to pressurize the cabin. If they don't, you'll turn into a pickle. They have to pressurize the cabin because you're going in such pressure. Same thing when you go into water. It's such pressure. They have to have tanks. They have to have oxygen. They have to have all these things because there's so much pressure. So when the, when the eagle goes up and he goes up and he goes up, there's pressure, there's heat. But understand this, my friend, that the eagle is built for it. How many eagles are here this morning? Yeah, probably God uh, in, the, in the message Messiah talks about messiahs or eaglets. Is that right? Absolutely. He talks about messiahs and eaglets. We are, uh, uh, we are uh, pieces off of the great eagle. Because eagles breed eagles. I was not born a chicken. Oh, see, you remember the story that the farmer was lacking an egg for the, for the hen house. So he stole an eagle egg and put it under the chicken. Now, it hatched out to be an eagle because it's an eagle egg. And he tried his best to fit in like we did. Come on, you people out of the world. We tried to fit in. 
We tried to drink, we tried to smoke, we tried to carouse, we tried to gamble, we tried to do what everybody else was doing. But you know what? There was something on the inside of you that just wasn't satisfied. Nothing you did would satisfy that thirst. Nothing you did would satisfy that hunger. You knew there was something more. That predestinated seed on the inside of you was thirsting after Him. I don't care how much you try to act like them, that don't make you one of them. It's like Brother Cammie said in his testimony, he was a Baptist and he was this and he was this, but you know what? He's found his place of rest. He found where he belonged. And this is where we're going to stay. Because there ain't nothing no greater. And I've made the challenge, if you can find something greater, bring it to me. But I ain't had nobody bring nothing to me yet. So I'll keep this till something better comes along. Woo. My, my time's going quick. You people come to have church this morning. The word consecrate translated from a word with a strange meaning literally to fill the hand. Thus, this consecration in Exodus 29 verse 1 and verse 9 which I read for my Text, this consecration means more than just our being consecrated and dedicated and giving ourselves wholly to God, which it does mean that too. But it means more than that. It bespeaks of God accepting our consecration, receiving us and imparting and inworking into our lives all that is needed to fulfill our ministry. God imparting into you, if he's called you to a certain thing, then he has imparted into you that which is needed to fulfill that. God didn't say, oh, I forgot, hang on, I forgot to put this in there. No, no. Everything you have need of for your earthly journey is in you, even the rapture. All you got to do is drink in, push out. Hello, what is pushing out? It's worship. You drink in the word, you feed upon the word, and then as the word grows, you push out. You're pushing out limbs, you're pushing out leaves, you're pushing out fruit. Mm. He doesn't just send us out there. No, he says that he fills our hands. He gives us what we have need of. Boaz did not send Ruth home empty-handed. Because he knew who she was. He had inquired, who is this maiden? And they told her so he knew the connection. So because of the connection, God help me. I better sit back down before I run. And the doctor might be mad if I run. So he knew the connection between him and Naomi. And now that Ruth is in the family through her, through her husband to Malon. That now he knows who she is. And so he tells the reapers, as you're reaping in the field. Interestingly enough, if you read it real close, it's not handfuls on purpose. That word on is not in there. It's been misquoted for decades. It's handfuls of purpose. He purposely... 
gave her extra food because he was connected to her. Why do you think God has done what he has done in our life because we are connected to him? Oh, now I know some people's mind says, well, but God's no respect to person. I beg to disagree. It depends on what level you're talking about in that scripture and do not misinterpret that scripture. Because I promise you this one thing, there is one lady in this building this morning that I, that I think higher of than any other lady. As much as I love you sisters in the Lord, would do anything for you. There's one lady in this room that I'm connected with like I'm connected to no other woman. And she don't just get my gifts. She don't just get my money. You know, my kids, my kids, uh, they, they have this thing at the house that where uh, when mom comes home with an armload of uh, bags that she's been shopping. Ooh, women are going, where's he going? And so my twins will have this argument. Whose money did you spend, yours or daddy's? And I will quickly say, she ain't got no money. <laughs> Every dime that goes through her fingers came from me. She don't got a job. She don't, well. I felt that one quick. Some of y'all jumped on that one really, really quick. Especially you housewives. Let me rewind that. She's got the hardest job in the world. Come on, give them a hand. They got the hardest job in the world. Some of you sisters that have to work, I don't belittle you. The prophet of God did give you some quotes in there for just you. If you need it, if you have to work, he said, go ahead. So that's in there. But I made the choice when we got married. My wife was working at an insurance agency because she wasn't married. So she had to have some money to put gas in her car and had to pay the insurance. And so she had a job when we got married. But I told her, I said, the first child we have, you're done. So after Austin was born... I said, I'll take care of things from now on. Now, I realize everybody can't do that. I realize that. And especially in this economy with Biden president, you almost have to put your kids to work. You know, back in my daddy's days, he was 14 years of age, had to quit school in the seventh grade to help raise his siblings. We're almost there. Don't tell me there ain't no jobs. I've been at too many restaurants that took way too long to get the food. There's jobs everywhere. Okay? And so it's almost to the point to where you need to send the whole family out. Get a job. Bring all the money into daddy. We'll count our nickels, see if we can pay the rent. Everything's stupid through the roof, isn't it? But anyway, 
So I told my wife, I said, you know, after Austin was born, and uh, I said, no more full-time job for you. She filled in a few times when people was out of the insurance agency. She filled in uh, a couple times, but after that, she had no more full-time job uh, as far as out there. But she had a full-time job because I've tried it. And I told y'all the other night, I ain't called for it. It's something about it. Let me, let me give you sisters a rose. Because most of the times they get thrown under the bus. We can be in the house and, you know, I don't say this, you'll understand. Hopefully you'll understand what I'm saying. And we still have two nine-year-olds. They'll be ten next month. And so they're still kids. They don't pick up after themselves unless you get a belt. And threaten their life. We don't always hit them with it. We just threaten them. <laughs> and just the side of it, usually we get them into action. And so the house can be in disarray. My wife, we're building the house, so she's doing some phone calling, and she's you know picking out appliances, and she's picking out tile, and she's picking out floor covering. And she's over there having a good time, and the kids are just destroying the house. And I'm sitting there on my laptop. I could care less. <laughs> Because as long as my recliner's clean, the rest of the house can be turned upside down. And she'll look up. She says, why did you let them do this? I said, what do you mean let? I didn't even see them do it. I didn't let them do it. Now, if the, if the roles were reversed and I had to clean it up, it would take me about two days. To get things cleaned up. Get things back to halfway normal. But she can do it in 15 minutes. Put everything where it needs to go. Have all the blankets folded. All the pillows. You know, you got to have pillows. Any of y'all know what pillow? You know, uh, something, I don't know, something in the air, something in the water. When I, when I go to bed, we have to move 11, 17 pillows. <laughs> Yeah, there's one in the back. One honest, man, brother. You try to sit down on the couch. You got to move 72 pillows to sit down. But she, she can have all of it in place in 15 minutes. We can go out of town into a hotel room. And the hotel room just be, and she go out shopping or go to have lunch with somebody and come back and it's just destroyed. In a half hour, it's back to the, like the maid come in and cleaned it up. Because she's called to it. I still don't know how to fold a sheet. When I fold a sheet, it don't match. You know, the corners, one's longer than the other one, and one's way shorter than the other. I just throw it in the closet. I'm, big deal, we're going to put it on the bed. Why does it have to be all nice and neat? And, not to a woman. Getting quiet in here. That's just the nature of a woman. I'm not belittling you. I'm saying that you have a gift. You're called to this. You're called to dress your kids and comb their hair and brush their teeth and get them ready. Whereas if a man was to do that, reckon how that boy would look. <laughs> if I got Archer ready, he would not be presentable to walk in those back doors. I ain't called to it. That's why God gave a home in the original 
I realize some things and choices in life doesn't allow that, and I'm not talking about that. But as God's normal rule that he set in order in the beginning was male and female in the home Amen. to balance one another out, Amen. to be a helpmate one to the other, to complement one another, not to argue and fuss and have intense moments of fellowship, but to work together as Christ wants to work with his church. Is that all right? So we all have a we all have a a type of ministry. Brother Bram said the, 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 the mother is the fifth gospel. Now I don't know how many mothers really have that revelation. We look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that's the word of God. That's thus saith the Lord. That's the accounts of the life of Jesus. What about the fifth? That the mother is supposed to live out in her home. And teach her children. Go read Proverbs 30. About a virtuous woman. And the things that she does. And they will rise up and call her blessed. Because how she keeps her home. Brother Bram said no man wants to come home to a pigsty. Then you wonder why you have intense moments of fellowship. You have to step over every toy. Every pot and pan. And food dripping down the wall. Oh, Jesus. I hope we ain't got nothing like that here. Brother Homer Longora said years ago, said, yeah, I got a car so clean, you can eat off the floor. Cheerios, <laughs> Fruit Loops, Lucky Charms. <laughs> eat all that, all that off the floor. Because kids, uh, they don't pick up what they spill, do they? So when God sends us out, let me move on. When God sends us out to do a certain thing or to face a certain day or face a certain week, He does not send us out empty-handed. He fills your hand. Now what you have to do is you have to use what He's given you. Why do you think we come to church on the first day of the week? To face the rest of the week because you have come with empty hands, with empty vessel, saying, fill me, Lord. Fill my hands. Fill my head. Fill my heart. Fill my spirit. Come on, somebody. Because you're going to need it the rest of the week. And he will not send you out disappointed if you come expecting him to fill your hands. But you've got to use it when the time comes up. When the situation arises, you've got to use what he has put in your hands. See that we are told and, and we assume, I know what you get when you assume, I understand, but we assume, oh my God, Lord have mercy. I hate to borrow more time because I'm so in debt right now it ain't funny. <laughs> but I'll try to finish in five minutes. Y'all know I just lied. <laughs> but I did say try. I will try. 
And I will go deeper into it this evening if you want to come back for part two. They say, you know, scientists say, now the, most of them are a bunch of idiots. They just learn things from someone that told them something. They believe that, you know, the, the earth is so many millions and billions of years old and they find bones that they say are millions and millions of years old. And Brother Ram, he debunked that. And he said, you take a bone laying out on the, bleaching out on the desert, how long is it going to last? It's going to crumble and it's not going to last for millions of years. But anyway, we are told by scientists that the earth is so many millions of years old and deep in the earth, heart of the earth, there are certain carbon dioxide pockets deep beneath the earth's crust. Now understand when I say this to you that anything that is valuable is hidden. That's why sisters cover their bodies. Because her body is a treasure. She's not to show it to the world. These, these young punks today, they don't realize when they're slopping and kissing and falling around on a girl and touching and doing these things that that one day will be some man's wife. Well, I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. Even in the messages, then got a whole bunch of gum and conglomeration, filth and all kinds of stuff that I won't even mention. But we are told by prophet of God that when you press your lips toward a girl that's not your wife, it is potential adultery. He said sex glands are in the lips. We need to teach our children. That's why I preach courtship like I do. Always be accountable to somebody. Never be alone because your hormones will override your Holy Ghost if you ain't careful. Oh, I know you got perfect children. I'm sorry. I, I, you forgive me for your perfect children. But for the rest of you that don't have perfect children like me, I had to teach them. This is not what you do. The first kiss is at the altar. Hello. I know it's not preached much anymore, but I could care less who's preaching what. This is the church God called me to preach, and I'm going to preach the truth. Even the things that God treasured like gold and silver and emeralds and diamonds and pearls are deep. The pearls are deep in the ocean. The diamonds are deep in the heart of the earth. The gold is deep. They have to dig and dig and dig. What about a woman's body? Hide it. It's a treasure. It will one day be a man's treasure. That's why God hid these things in the heart of the earth so it wouldn't just be able to just pick up off the streets. He hid them. And that's why a woman's body is supposed to be hidden. That's why she's not supposed to wear that which pertaineth to a man. See, my five minutes are gone, but I ain't done. See, people don't understand. You know, they don't, they don't think deep enough sometimes. They don't understand why the Bible says what it says. Now the Bible says a woman is not supposed to cut her hair because of the angels. I mean, knows that's what it says. That had bothered me for years. I was like, I don't understand that. I don't understand what, what's angels got to do with her cutting her hair. Until I found the quote where Brother Branham says the angel is her pastor. 
And she'll let it grow to a certain length. And when something comes that she don't agree with, she'll cut it off. Oh, you say, Brother Daniel, I just trim it. Okay, the same scissors that you trim is the same scissors you cut. Oh, and now, and now in the message we've, uh, I say we because it ain't me. I ain't included in this because I ain't a female. But now makeup has made its way back into the church. Eyeliner and blush and it's no longer chapstick. It's not even the cherry flavor chapstick. It's actually lipstick. Oh, they start off with a, you know, a see-through or fluorescent pink. And then from there they move on. And they'll and they'll they'll take that stuff and they'll do their eyelashes. I look like I've done it before, don't I? But I promise you, I ain't never done it. And then they'll close their eyes and they'll paint this. And then they'll paint this. My goodness, why you want to get that close to your eyeball with something pointy? Then they'll paint this. Then they'll. Then they'll put on something red to make it look like they, you know, years ago before they had makeup, they would pinch their cheeks, you know, back in the 30s, try to look good in front of them. But why do you want, what, what do you want pink cheeks for? I don't, I don't get it. That's just me. If my, you know, when I was, when I was seeing Sister Lisa and, and, and she I, I knocked on the door and she come to the door with real red cheeks, I'm like, yo, daddy beat you. <laughs> But see, now all of a sudden, Satan has come in and he's whispered and the crow has been pecking on the back of the eagle saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know you want to be pretty. You know the prophet of God said every woman wants to be pretty, but not fake. He said, you got something fake on the outside, you got something fake on the inside. And listen, friend, we have done this study in our own, in our own family. We have done this. We have watched it. Little girls that were born in our family was growing up, and we would let them wear pants to a certain age. They're children, they're babies. No big deal. They're not women. They're not trying to show off their body. So we, they, they, they sell pantsuits, and so we would let them wear pantsuits. And I cut mine off at five years old. And I never, I never allowed Sister Lisa to cut my daughter's hair. Never, not one time. And then I had people come at me, well, Brother Branham did. But Brother Branham also said he wished he'd have never let her. Because amazingly to me, one day it's okay, then the next day you've got to tell him it's wrong. How are you going to explain that? And so you take, and, and listen, I've witnessed it with these own eyes. Put a pair of breeches on one of my uh, extended family and she acted completely different than she did with her skirt on. I'm not even lying to you. She coming here with one hand on her hip. Now I'm not coming out from behind here to see. You do not want that visual. But you know exactly what I'm doing. It carry 
raise a spirit. And there's a reason why that God tells us in Deuteronomy 22.5 for a woman not to wear that which pertaineth to a man for it is an abomination to him. And I'm going to be very blunt so you just hold your kids' ears so they don't hear it. I'm going to be very blunt because a pair of breeches has a crouch in it and it cuts off the male from planting seed. Whereas a skirt, she's open. That's why God tore the veil in half. So we can have access. See, some of you never thought of it that way. See, I've known about this for years. I've waited for the right time to say it. That's why it's wrong for women to wear these things. Now, I know it's not popular even in the message. I realize that. But I ain't looking for popularity. I'm looking for truth. And I want everybody under the sound of my voice to make it. And there's a reason why God called for holiness. There's a a differentiation between a man and a woman. Why is it that we see millions times millions of women walking in breeches and never turn our head? We see one man in a skirt, we go. Why? Why is that weird when all the women in breeches is not weird? It don't make sense because we have been, over the years, we have been cultured to accept a woman in britches. Well, I may counsel service tonight to just to recuperate. In the heart of the earth, God hides his jewels. That's why a woman's body is to be covered. I don't believe in all this stuff and I don't believe in this stuff and I don't believe in all this stuff. I'm sorry, I don't believe in it. I believe when a, when a sister sits down, her knees ought not show. I believe when you worship the Lord, your bra ought not show. I believe when you bend over, nobody should be able to look down your blouse. And if you even have a thought that it might go too low, put your hand up there. Cover it up. Cover it up because once a man sees that, it'll never leave his mind. God covers up his jewels. The gold is deep. The diamonds are deep. The pearls are deep. The rubies are deep. That's why he wants a woman's body hidden. See, Brother Branham could mow his yard and take his shirt off. Because that's not a jewel. It's the woman's body that is the glory of a man. The man's body is not the glory. Look at him. (laughs) And the older he gets, the less you want to look at him. Go put a shirt on, man. The bakery called and they want their rolls back. <laughs> so in the heart of the earth, let me, let me wind this down. Lord Jesus, have mercy. In the heart of the earth, diamonds are formed. Diamonds are one of the most precious gems. We are told 
and I know this to be a truth because I've been married 32 and a half years. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. <laughs> Brothers, what's yours? <laughs> a dog. <laughs> she got the diamond. You got the mutt. One of the most precious gems in the entire planet is a diamond. But a diamond just not, does not form overnight. It takes time. A diamond is one of the hardest materials in the world. It comes from the word adamus, A-D-A-M-U-S, which means invincible. If he gets at something, hang on with me. Brother Bam talking about God being the great diamond. How many knows he said it? Preached on God being the great diamond. Seven colors reflecting from him. And he said, we are chips off of that diamond. And if the light strikes us, the same seven colors will reflect from us. But understand, no matter how big the diamond, they all have to go through the same process. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. How do you think you're going to learn it? Same way. It means invincible. This is because diamonds are the hardest minerals in the world. They are a thousand times harder than rubies or sapphires. Not even the most powerful acids can harm a diamond's surface. Now, if you bring it down and parallel it to us, as Brother Branham did, we are chips off the great diamond, then nothing shall harm us, not even death. We are in Him invincible. So how is a diamond formed? Diamond is formed from one of the most commonly known elements in the world called carbon. Diamonds are formed when enough pressure, oh, there's that word again, when enough pressure is produced 90 miles under the earth's surface, along with temperatures of 220 degrees Fahrenheit. Anybody want to be a diamond? No. 90 miles beneath the earth's surface, 2200 degrees Fahrenheit. Pressure and heat produces diamonds. Without these two conditions, pressure and heat, a diamond cannot be formed. Oh, we want to be the bride of Christ. We want to reflect, reflect the life of Christ. We want to be the very character, the express image of God. But then when pressure and heat comes, we put it in reverse. And we go back to the weak and beggarly elements of the world. No, but see, if you're built and you're equipped, you'll handle the heat. You'll handle the pressure. Or you won't like it. You're not going to enjoy it, even though the Bible says count it all joy. It's still tough to do. But you realize deep inside of you, it is molding a character in me that matches Jesus. He is making me a diamond in his great economy. And it takes pressure. 
Now I do realize, friends, that many times the, the sermons that are preached here are prophetic. So this next week, get ready. God has, excuse me, God has prepared you for what's coming next week. Pressure is going to get greater. The heat is going to get hotter. But if you're like the three Hebrew boys, the closer they got, all it did was burn the ropes that bound them. Come on, somebody. That's all the heat's going to do to you is deliver you from your bondage. I'll finish tonight or try to. I went way over my time. You forgive me. Lord, have mercy. I got a baptism. Y'all want to go ahead and start getting ready? Time got away from me. I know that's I know that's an excuse used, but it really did. Last time I looked, it wasn't near that far along. And then the next time I looked, it was like, whoa. I'm going to get somebody with some black tape to cover that clock. Because it is a thorn in my flesh. Give me G. Here he comes, the translator himself. One of them. Thank God for our translators, huh? Mm, I've been to the water and I've been baptized. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've been changed, I've been reborn all my life, it's been rearranged, what a difference it makes when the Lord has His way, all my life, thank God has been changed, oh I've been changed, I've been reborn all my life, it's been Oh my life 
sing the last one. When at last in his presence I stand above, he will wipe every tear from my eye. And I'll thank him for giving a wretch like a new home. this morning for just a moment <clears throat> Acts 2 and 38 then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost we have a promise not only to those there but to your children and those that are afar off that's the Gentile. So when we lower her down in this watery grave, Ava's going to die. And a new life will be raised anew.
sometimes in life uh, certain things that happen maybe it's something you see something you smell something someone says will trigger a memory and as I walk down those steps I remember baptizing Austin didn't go to him he came to me and he said daddy I want to be baptized I said okay son tell me what it means tell me what it signifies so he did I said we'll have it ready next Sunday and as I stood there looking at Ava in my mind's eye, I've seen a picture of Austin in that pool. And I want to declare to you, anybody listening, he's coming back. His family's coming back grandkids are coming back and somewhere somewhere along the line you got to put a stake down and no matter what happens you go back to that stake and you tell the devil that morning something happened that you can't take away from me see you can't explain revelation you just can't it's a knowing it's just a knowing that it's going to happen. You don't know how. You don't know when. You don't know what's going to take place between A and B. But you know that you know that you know that it's going to happen. So don't be surprised when you see him walking through the back door. And I'm here to tell you there's more on the way. Wonderful. Give me G and I'll turn it over to Brother Brian. I thank God for the lighthouse. I owe my life.
praise offering this morning. Amen. He's so good to us. He's always right on time. This this morning, I was really battling mentally and emotionally, and you know, mentally, I didn't want to, didn't feel like I should be in church this morning. Um, just really struggling inwardly with some things, and I texted our pastor, asked him his title, and he sent me that title, and I responded, I said, wow, I said that, I said, I'll go ahead and tell you, it's sermons for me this morning, just based off the title, because all the pressure, the things Jessica and I have been talking about and dealing with, I said, I certainly, I'm so thankful that the Lord is right on time to have him preach something like that today. God always knows what we're going through, Amen. Man, so wonderful to see little Ava get baptized this morning. She's such a sweetheart. She's always so sweet to me. And uh, I'm a big, scary guy to a lot of the kids, but she's always loved me and not been scared of me. So uh, certainly thankful the Lord is ministering to her in her life. Amen. Let's sing this little chorus, and then we'll be dismissed. Service back this afternoon at 430. Just come expecting and believing the Lord will do something wonderful for us. Any visitors, God richly bless you this morning. Anyone streaming, may God bless you as well. Key of F, Spirit of God, move. Spirit of God, move. Write your word.